Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin. I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to talk about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to ask your questions directly to the doctor, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical show here on 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, as always, it's a privilege to have you on the show talking to the audience about something that is crucially important, and that is the category in medicine of prevention. I happen to be looking at a very respected publication that I happen to write for as well, our magazine, and I noticed in the top docs issue, they have categories of all kinds of specialties and nothing about prevention. It's all about treatment, but nothing about prevention. And maybe that's because we don't have enough doctors that are practicing it. But let's tell the listeners tonight why prevention as a category is as a, a, a definitely a specialty in medicine is crucially life-savingly important. Well, Amory, thanks. The reason there's no prevention category in the Our Top Docs issue is because there isn't such a thing as prevention um, subspecialty. Um, you know, our healthcare is not here to stop you from having a disease. It's there to treat a disease that you have. And it's inherent within the nature of insurance. Insurance isn't there to stop you from having a problem. It's there to fix a problem when you have it. It's just like your car. They don't pay for your oil change or your new tires or rotating your tires or, you know, putting in the windshield washer. They pay when you get an accident or your engine breaks down, to, again, depending if it's wear or tear or not. So healthcare is no different. It doesn't pay for you not to get something. It only pays when you have something. So it defies the definition of prevention to stop something before it happens. You know, they only pay for it once you have a diagnosis. And... The key to the concept of prevention is really just the definition of the disease. So in my practice, we define the disease at a much earlier state than it would ever be identified in a traditional practice. And so we're finding it earlier, we're taking it seriously earlier, and in doing so, and, and we can stop somebody from progressing to the actual condition that would be covered because you're never going to get it. If we find it earlier and address it earlier, you can actually stop from having heart disease. You can stop a patient from having diabetes. 
if you find it early enough and address it aggressively. I mean, it's pretty amazing that in this country we have the technology, we have the research, we have the studies, we have everything that we need to prevent diabetes, heart attack, stroke. We talk about it all the time on the show. And, and it's really kind of sad to think about there is no real specialty that exists of prevention because all the doctors are in subspecialties or they're in PCPs where it's all about diagnosing you after you get the disease as opposed to figuring out how we can stop you from getting the disease. That and another thing that I came across today when I was in a specialty practice was some of the PAs and the um, adjunct medical people that were in in the office had never heard of a concierge practice. We're talking about an office in, in Birmingham. So I was kind of surprised that still there are people who are even working in the medical industry that don't understand what a concierge practice is and why it's so crucially valuable to have access to your doctor 24-7. Well, these days, you know, because healthcare is a population model, and what that means is doctors are reimbursed by the number of people they see. And I remember talking to other doctors about what I do, and I'm talking about the quality and the time that I have. And back in the day when I did have a traditional practice, you know, I looked at the, you know, I talked about my practice about how much money I made in a month, mm -hmm. you know, but now they talk about it in terms of how many patients they see in a week and how many patients they see in a month. And that's their driver. That's their marker of success is how many people go in and out the door. And the higher that number, the better you're doing because you're essentially being paid as a doctor, um, you know, in one way or another. But the reality is it's based on the number of people going in and out. You know, we say it's like a conveyor belt. Patients have turned into widgets. Mm -hmm. You're just a manufacturing tool. You're a manufacturing product that's being measured in manufacturing terms. Well, I can get 150 widgets out in a week. Mm -hmm. Or I can get 450 widgets out in a month. And that's how doctors are talking about you. Mm -hmm. Not as humans or people, but as, you know, as, a, as an item that goes in and out the door. And how many of those go in and out the door in a week and in a month? And that's a widget count. Sad to think that we have pediatricians who are treating, you know, young children. And they're, they're getting the child from birth up until, what, 18 years old. And then they set them free and then they're on their own to find a primary care physician and they jump into whoever is local to be their primary care physician who's literally doing nothing about prevention. And then they move through that practice until they eventually get the disease, which is really pathetic. Well, you know, we did talk about concierge for a second. We kind of jumped away. So we need to talk next segment about why it's important. What does it mean to have a concierge doctor? Why it's important and then we're going to talk about diabetes as an opera, a great opportunity for prevention. Absolutely. Let's define those subjects when we come back. Okay. We're going to have to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We are here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. 
We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. As a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and many chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, we are now able to arrest and reverse the progress of these silent killers. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, before the break, we were talking about defining for the listening audience, and we're not normally on Tuesday night. It's usually Thursday at 7. This week we got preempted or on Tuesday, but welcome all the Tuesday night listeners. But defining prevention and a concierge practice. Well, the reason to go to a practice where there is a, you know, to concierge means you're paying a retainer fee to be in the practice. And the reason that's important in the world of prevention is insurance does not cover prevention. And so, like, for instance, let's take diabetes as an example. So, you know, you cannot access a diabetic drug unless you have been diagnosed with diabetes. And in my practice, that's way too late. So I'm identifying the precursors of diabetes that can be happening to people 10, 15, 20 years ahead of the actual diagnosis. And I'm putting people on a program to stop that process and delay the onset of diabetes. And it's not really just about stopping that diagnosis. As you know, Anne-Marie, it's about not having that process cause other chronic diseases because that process is called insulin resistance. So I'm identifying patients with insulin resistance when they walk in the door. It's very common. Four out of 10 Americans have insulin resistance. Why are are four out of 10 Americans suffering from insulin resistance? Because we live in a toxic environment. We're eating chemicals, we're eating sugars, we're eating... You know, we don't exercise, where hormones are off balance, our our environment is terrible. Well, let's let's take some calls because we're getting back top here. Siobhan, you have a caller? Yeah, so up first, yeah, we have Michelle in Clarkston on the line. Michelle, what's your question? Um, my question is, sorry to go back to COVID, but why did the doctors not look at all the new data that's coming out? Um, I am actually... Uh, I have, I'm two and a half years, never had a, never had a vaccine. I think I had it at some point only because my husband had it, but I never had symptoms. I'm in my sixties and I still have antibodies. So I don't understand why doctors are still pushing that. And the second point was I had a doctor appointment and of course I've, all, everything's always good with me, but I asked about any preventative uh, that Dr. Collender always talks about. And she was basically like, well, unless you have symptoms, we're not doing anything. So that's a huge problem in this country. Yes. Well, Michelle, thanks for calling. I'm going to take your second point first because we're on prevention right now. And so you're exactly right. So either you have the disease or you have symptoms. So you're able to diagnose and treat symptoms, but you're not able to screen for like the precursors of disease. And that's what prevention is. It really requires early screening. And in the insurance world, screening is a dirty word. It's a four-letter word. You cannot screen. It's not covered. 
So that's the conundrum you're in is that insurance won't cover it. So you've got to find somebody who's going to go above and beyond what insurance looks at, who ignores the whole concept of our healthcare system and does what's right for you as a patient. And so, you know, all the time I'm seeing people who I've diagnosed with insulin resistance and we put them on a program and it could, you know, usually it's lifestyle, but it's, they got to learn the right foods and the right kind of exercise. Sometimes it's balancing hormones and sometimes it's medication. And so there are great drugs that are available for people that are diabetic. It would also work if you're insulin resistant, but unfortunately you as an American cannot access those drugs because you don't have the diagnosis. Um, and there really aren't any symptoms of insulin resistance. You don't have symptoms of diabetes until you're so far advanced. It'd be malpractice not to diagnose it by then. Um, I may have to defer the COVID question because we're on YouTube and YouTube has a COVID misinformation policy now that's strict right. and we're trying to stay on YouTube. So I agree with everything you just said, but um, we're going to leave it at that. So I don't right. have the answer to your question of why other than I uh, share your frustration. All right, Michelle, thanks for calling. Siobhan, you have another caller? Yeah. So up next, we have David in Windsor on the line. David, what's your question? Yes. Good evening. Um, this comes in line with the question that I've asked last week. When walking out of a doctor's office and a person has gotten a clean bill of health and without even pinpointing exactly the, pinpointing the problem before it caught, would have all caught up with them, and then all of a sudden they, they walk out of the office and they drop dead, heart attack or whatever the case may be, would you think what it would be the, the system itself, the healthcare system itself, or was it doc, or is it all the, uh, what do you call it, the right word I'm looking for? Like, in well, was it malpractice? You know, malpractice was it doctor negligence? Mm -hmm. Right. So, David, I think that it's both because it's up to the doctor to do the right thing for the patient. Um, you know, so 10 years ago, I decided to leave the traditional business you know, model for medicine because I want to do the right thing for my patients. And that's why I went in and started a concierge style practice so I could do what I wanted and do the right thing as I saw fit. And it kind of led me into down this prevention pathway. Um, and it's also the system's fault because the system is not recognizing these opportunities to prevent disease. And in my practice, heart attack and stroke is 100% preventable. And that is by early diagnosis and disease identification, the condition, and managing what we would call subclinical disease. So Michelle's point is subclinical disease doesn't cause symptoms. So it's important to identify people's disease when it's not causing a problem. That's prevention. And find all the issues that are causing that condition. And, and of course, if you're a regular listener, you know that heart attacks and stroke and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases like MS, they're all driven by inflammation. And so our goal is to identify a single individual sources of inflammation and addressing them aggressively. You know, at a young age, I've got, you know, who did I see today? I saw a young woman who's 38 and she went from being 
super high risk at 38, 38 year old, high level attorney, you know, a big time attorney, um, was at very high risk of cardiovascular disease, insulin resistance, you know, polycystic ovarian disease, all these things. And they're all gone now. Was she a new patient? No, I've been seeing her for like three years, uh-huh. maybe four. And, 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 and it's a combination of her work. You know, again, I'm giving her, this is what you need to do. And she's doing it. And this is what you need to take. And she's taking it. Mm-hmm. And, and her labs went from, you know, my labs are labeled, you know, red, yellow, green. I mean, it was a column of red. And today it's a column of green. And she's working her tail off. But it's because we've identified her predisposition to disease and addressed it early. So she's got a strong family history of diabetes and heart disease. And I'm telling you, she's not going to be diabetic and she's not going to have a heart disease. And because we've identified her predisposition on day one, and day one is the day she walks in the office. And so for everyone out there, the day you walk in, that's where we identify your your conditions and address them and put you on a path where none of these things need to happen. Identifying the predisposition. I mean, that's the key to success and staying healthy. Let's come back and talk about this on the other side of the break again. You're listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly show Sunday afternoon at 3 and live Thursday at 7. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, coming back to what is the most important thing, you know, in order to diagnose insulin resistance? Well, the most important thing is actually to try. You know, so, you know, what the caller says, they go to their doctor and they get a checkup, or even David said, you go to your doctor, you get a clean bill of health and you walk out the door and you're fine. You know, insulin resistance doesn't follow any type of pattern. Um, I've got a patient who I saw, you know, just came in to say hello. He's a triathlete. He's got 12% body fat. He has no family history of diabetes or heart disease, yet he has a bad case of insulin resistance, like very difficult to manage. And then this other patient we talked about last segment who's, you know, a little overweight, struggling with eating habits, um, and she's got, you know, strong family history of diabetes, and she fixed her insulin resistance between all of the things that we're doing. And here's someone who does everything perfect and he still has insulin resistance and no family history. So there really isn't this concept of genetics. You know, yes, genetics are part of prevention and we need some genetic information to drive decisions. But um, no one out there should assume anything. You cannot assume, 
you're going to be this, you know, I'm going to be super healthy because of X, Y, Z. No one in my family does this. Or um, I'm going to be have diabetes and die of a heart attack or a stroke because everyone in my family does that. None of those things are real. Mm-hmm. You've got to get the labs that identify um, insulin resistance early. And I hate to say it, listeners, the blood work that you get from your doctor, a blood sugar and a hemoglobin A1C are worthless. They are worthless for identifying insulin resistance. Um, you need different sets of labs um, to find it. And unfortunately, these labs are not all part of the standard panel that all of you get when you go to your cookie cutter widget maker. And let's talk about that because I think most people and most patients out there don't understand. They feel as though when they stretch their arm out to the phlebotomist to get a blood draw, that that doctor and that blood test is going to identify anything and everything from A to Z, which is not true. And likewise, the standardized tests that you get with your PCP, if they're going to do an EKG and a stress test, that's also not going to prevent you from having a heart attack. So let's sum this up by saying that the screening, if you want to call it screening, that you get with your annual physical is pretty much borderline worthless. It's completely worthless. It's not borderline worthless. It's completely worthless because screening for heart disease in this country is basically a formula, you know, based on cholesterol numbers that actually don't identify risk. Mm -hmm. And that formula is a basis of a treatment decision and that's it. There's no other prevent heart attack prevention methods being in place for any of you. Well, so and, in other words, it's well, the pharmaceutical Siobhan. companies that are that are creating these metrics. Exactly. To match you with a drug. Right. Exactly. And we talked about this on uh, Facebook for a minute, which is pharma companies are really driving the disease identification process. So to the extent that they're able to make a product that affects an outcome, that's when the FDA will say, well, this is when diabetes occurs because they've got drugs that impact this lab value. Well, until a drug comes along that impacts a better lab value that also has an impact on a positive impact on your health, they're not going to identify diabetes or insulin resistance at an early stage. It's all driven by pharma. When the pharma company makes the drug, well, then the FDA will create a diagnosis code for them. It's absurd. Instead of saying, this is what we need to have happen, pharma companies go make it. This is the result we want. You guys go make it and we'll pick the best one. Instead, it's reaction. Our whole healthcare system is based on a reaction to what happens to you, a reaction to your symptoms, a reaction to your, you know, what, you know, you had a heart attack, an event. FDA operates the same way. They don't do a thing until the, they react to what pharma brings them. So as a patient, you're not really being noticed until suddenly you show up with, with a diagnosis. And in most cases, these diagnoses are sad and you wind up either dependent on pharma the rest of your life or you get, you know, you get a disease such as diabetes or God forbid, you know, cardiac uh, problems. There really isn't any turning back. Well, you don't get a diagnosis of coronary artery disease unless right. you've had a heart attack, mm -hmm. you know, or had a stroke or 
died from it or needed a surgery like a stent or a bypass, all of those are too late. That's not prevention. And in our screwed up system, if you have a stent, that's considered prevention. Well, we stopped you from having a heart attack. If you have a bypass, that's considered prevention. That's what our healthcare system considers a success. But prevention is about preventing the disease process, not patching it up. Agree, agree. And so we have a much higher bar for what success and prevention means. So in my practice, success and prevention is you don't need a stent or a bypass. And not only that, but prevention is we look at markers that measure your risk and those markers go down and we see plaque go away. That success is turning back the clock, having patients with an artery age, and there is a data point for that called artery age, that your artery age could be 20 years younger than you are. How would that be? Mm-hmm. And it's possible. Where a lot of you let are me, probably, yeah. Go ahead, Siobhan. No, sorry. I just wanted to ask if you are somebody that has had a stent or a bypass, let's say, is it still too late to engage in some form of prevention for the future? Because I think a lot of people might think I'm just beyond the point of anything getting better. But if you've had a stent, you can still reverse some of the disease process for the future, right? Absolutely. It's never too late because when you've had an event, guess what? Your risk for another event is like double. So if you had an event and you have a higher risk for another event, it's called secondary prevention. And again, this is a tangent, but in medicine, you know, so the American Heart Association is telling everybody that's never had a problem to not take aspirin. But if you've had an event, meaning now we're on secondary prevention, aspirins are beneficial. And the reason is, is because the disease has been identified by your event. So I think the American Heart Association has no idea what to do with aspirin because they're not identifying the disease early enough. And if they were able to really identify the risk, they would be changing their aspirin recommendations. And for instance, I may take people on and off aspirin based on their status at that visit. So if their inflammation markers are high, their markers that are imaging that I follow goes up, I put them back on aspirin. It gets better, I take them off. So it's a fluid situation. It's not a one-size-fits-all. If you're over 60, all of you do this. That's what our system is. It's one-size-fits-all, and this is really needs to be personalized. Right, and it comes back down to having routine you know, input from somebody because it can't be something that you get a data point one year and then you have to wait you know, several years until something happens. You need someone constantly keeping tabs on the, the the developments that are going on. And they change, you know, you know, so I might see people dependent on the person two, three times a year and these data points change and we pivot. So it's important to mark the, and follow the progress of all these different conditions. And that's why it's crucially important, I think, to have a concierge practice. So let's come back and talk about that some more on the other side of the break. You're listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, please call at 800-859-0957. Again, 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR.
Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You are listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, with the final segment coming and listening to so many participating in so many of these shows, I keep wondering about the huge patient population out there that is absolutely lost because there's such a faith and trust put in the put put on your primary care physician to do these tests, and the tests seem to be all Mickey Mouse. And so, what's the average listener supposed to do? Well, our listeners are trying, you know, because I'm hearing it all the time in the calls and people that call the office. Um, they're, I'm hearing that they're asking for the right tests. They're asking for a CT calcium score. They're asking for like an advanced lipid panel. They're asking for the genetic markers that we've talked about in other shows. And they go to their doctor and just like Michelle said, you know, I don't get an answer. I get a, my hands are tied. You have to have a symptom. You know, well, what symptom? Death. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. a symptom is death. So you know, the, the listeners are listening and they're trying to get some information and they're running into a brick wall, which is the doctor. And what's shocking to me is that none of these doctors that our listeners are going to are asking a question of like, well, how's this person doing it? Mm-hmm. How's Dr. Collender doing this? And I can't, mm-hmm. how do I provide that service? Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not doing today that he's doing today. Right. And and the lack of intellectual curiosity is really unfortunate um, that there's no, like, you know, what do I got to learn here instead of, well, I can't do this. Um, and that's why doctors are complicit in, you know, the decline of our health issues is because, again, it's there. And I'm even going to say it's not that hard. You just can't do it within the system where you rely on insurance reimbursement because insurance is not playing ball. Well, again, I come back to my thoughts on this, and that is that all the listeners and all the patients out there are consumers. They have a right to decide where to shop and what to buy. We as consumers, as patients, are paying for the healthcare system. We're paying for pharma. We're paying for insurance coverage. And I think that it's unbelievable to realize that we're living in a society where the technology is so advanced that we can prevent all these horrible diseases from taking a hold of us and that it's not happening and that it's incumbent upon the listener to then find a practice like yours for which there are so few of them in the country. And it's really a shame, but unfortunately... I think all the listeners have to be their own advocate and realize that you're not in a practice of prevention and you have to find one. It's a little sad to hear that they're trying and they run into the, the stopper, the, which is the doctor of all people who's saying, I can't do this because in the four minutes that they have together, that's the end. And it's a lot easier to say no than how and what can I do? Um, and that's the sad, that's population medicine. 
Right. When you don't have the time to do your job, you just don't do it. Or you refer to a specialist who also doesn't know anything about prevention. Mm -hmm. They're there to treat a condition. They have no idea how to not, how to stop the condition for which they've been trained to treat. That's not part of their training. I think it's really incumbent upon all the listeners, and I can't stress this enough, to look into and find out what is the definition of a concierge practice? What's involved in it? What do you get? How much access do you have with your doctor? How long are the patient visits, which with Dr. Collender, they're an hour long. You don't have to go into a waiting room. They could room be and an sit. hour and a half. They could be an hour and a half. You're not, when you have a two o'clock appointment, he's seeing you at two, as are his other colleagues who are in the practice of prevention. You're not going and sitting in a waiting room for an hour and sitting in a back room waiting to see the doctor for another half hour to have five minutes to be able to talk and talk about what's bothering you today, which isn't necessarily what lies on underneath. So I think it's incumbent upon all the listeners to find out about a concierge practice, what it involves, what it gives you, what it offers you, and also what prevention is all about and what the practice of prevention is all about. And if you don't have a doctor, a primary care physician who is qualified and or looking into the practice of prevention, then you know what? You need to get out. And, and here's the other thing that I want to tell you listeners um, is that the, the technology is out there and at, you're a listener, you're a patient, but don't forget you're a consumer and you have the right to buy what you want. If a test to prevent a heart attack is $250, get it. You know, and also when you say concierge, concierge is a, like a retainer-based model that gives us the ability to do these services outside of the confines of insurance. Not all concierge doctors are choosing to practice prevention. To them, it's all about access. You're going to pay extra money so that you can see me with those you know, benefits, on time, extra time, phone calls, all that. There's no prevention involved in a lot of these practices. They're just taking your money for their time, and they're not doing anything above and beyond what's considered traditional. They don't know anything about prevention. Right. I mean, there's some big concierge practices that don't spend one second on prevention. They don't know anything oh, about it's, it. It's, it's incredibly important for the listeners to understand that it's, it's about a concierge practice, which is absolutely better than a regular population medicine practice, but also a practice which specializes in prevention. And we understand you're one doctor. You can't serve all of America. But certainly if people called your office, you'd be glad to you know, direct them to other practices that could take them in because obviously you can't take everyone. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know that many doctors walk around and say that they've got a great job, but I think I can, my associates in the practice can, because the time we spend with patients is great. It's the best part of our day. Right. And giving people tools to make their improvements in life is, um, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, and as you talked earlier about the attorney patient that you had who at 38 years old, you know, your prognosis over the break was she could have been dead in another couple of years if she hadn't well, gotten into your practice. She's but only, doesn't matter. Well, still. Doesn't and also matter. the other thing is she lives in Washington, D.C. Oh, my. Okay. And so oh, wow. she comes in to You didn't Michigan. say that in yeah, the beginning, well, but anyway. I mean, you know, we, we're beyond borders. So right. she comes in a couple times a year. We get her lab work. You know, we do our visit. 
Um, and sometimes we send our lab panel so she can get it done, you know, where she is. And then she comes in. So the results are available mm-hmm. for us to review in person or we do virtual visits. Mm-hmm. So I've got patients that live all over the country. We're not, I've got patients that call and go, well, I'm in Clinton Township. You're too far away. I'm like, I got patients in Texas. Right, exactly. I don't think Clinton Township is that far. Right, and people need to realize that, that they can come and see you a couple of times a year and then do virtual visits, but right. at least you're getting them on the track of prevention. Well, because I don't, I'm not looking to bill insurance on right. these visits. It's mm-hmm. I just care. All I care about is that you're achieving the health goals, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's my only uh, directive. Um, you know, I'm not selling garbage or anything. It's just We just want you all to be healthy. Right, exactly. And knowing what's available out there to diagnose and prevent these horrifying diseases. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our shows Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. Thanks also for my co-host, Siobhan Cronin. Thanks for listening to WJR. Good night and be well.